0: I Read Comics, show number 66, WonderCon, part 1. There was WonderCon in San Francisco, and I went, so did Logan, and we had a really good time this year. We were only there on Saturday, which was the day that the podcasting panel was held, but I think we managed to cram a whole lot into that one day. This particular show will have some interviews that I did on the floor. The first interview is with David Brothers, who blogs for FourthLetter.net, and who is an amazingly prolific blogger on comics. He has a lot of really good things to say, and I feel very lucky that I got to interview him. He turned out to be really fun, and we had a great conversation, which I hope you will enjoy. Coming up in... Uh, the next show will be more interviews from WonderCon, and then I hope to have the audio from the podcasting panel to actually put on here, courtesy of the iFanboy guys who recorded it for us. So I'm waiting for them to send it along, and then you can hear what we talked about. And then uh, in the show following that, I will do a little breakdown of everything else that happened at the con. I'm also writing up a con report, which I will post at my blog, but which will also be mainly posted at another place, which I'll tell you about when I get done. So in the meantime, please listen to and Enjoy this interview with David Brothers. This is our first interview for today, and it's Saturday, and there's what, like 200,000 people here or something? Pretty close to it. Pretty (laughs) close to it. It's very, very crowded. So um, I'm talking with David Brothers, who writes for uh, fourthletter.net, who graciously agreed to spend some time chatting with me today. Um, And what I really wanted to talk to you about is the amazing blogging that you've been doing lately. Um, I really got to know some of your stuff because of the Young Avengers thing that I talked about on the show. And you made those really, really interesting comments which really changed the way that I thought about it, which I think is kind of the best thing that can come out of blogging or having an opinion about comics is to make someone think about them in a different way. Um, so I wanted to talk specifically about some of the posts you've made recently, which have been very, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but <laughs> gotten a lot of back and forth talk, and that was about tokenism. Yeah. So why don't you just talk a little bit about that and what your viewpoint was on
1: that? Uh, basically, the way I view tokenism is that it's kind of, in a way, insulting the characters, because any character with a good writer can be a good character. Mm-hmm. It's not the character that's the problem, it's the writer that's the problem. Mm-hmm. So instead of like writing a character off as being worthless, you know, Look for the characters' good moments, look for the characters' good writers, and hope for the best. Yeah.
0: And, and I think um, that charge of tokenism gets leveled a lot against, especially the big two, because they Definitely. do have mostly white characters, mostly straight characters, mostly male characters, for that matter. So anybody who's not a straight white guy is, by definition, a minority of, of yeah. sorts. Um, The the thing that I was thinking about, and I wanted to see if you agreed with this, is that so much attention gets focused on those characters. There are so few of them. Mm -hmm. So when you have, you know, 50 different straight white guys to choose from, three or four of them can be great and the rest can be jerks. But you don't notice it so much because there are so many of them. When there's only, you know, one black guy on the team, all the attention is on him. And if he's not... The best and the greatest and the role model and the be-all and the representative, the representative yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what kind of character could survive under that kind of pressure?
1: Basically, no one. Even yeah. if Superman was the only white guy in the Justice League, you know, in Bizarro World, <laughs> then he'd still, you know, people would call him, oh, he's the token, you know, normal guy, and he'd have to represent, you know, truth, justice, American mm-hmm. way, and plus everything that all the readers are bringing to the mm-hmm. comic, yeah. And that's why. I kind of think it's better, it, if I just think having a token character, you know, so to speak, finger quotes, exactly or not having <laughs> one, I go for having one, because it's nice to have that representation. Mm-hmm. And the more there are, the less that one character will have to be to represented, like an entire race, or credo, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Do you think there are any writers right now for DC or Marvel who are doing a really good job writing uh, non-straight white guy characters?
1: Dwayne McDuffie yeah. is, I met him yesterday, he's extremely awesome, one of my most favorite writers, he's doing a great job. Uh, Greg Rocca, of course, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, Batwoman and The Question. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, the Batwoman series gets off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I think Bendis has revitalized Luke Cage, mm-hmm. because I liked Cage before, it was kind of in like a Blaxploitation Shaft sort of way, now I like him as an actual character, as opposed to a pastiche or parody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's quite a few. Brian Azzarello, he can be kind of tricky, mm-hmm. because he kind of toes the line between offensive and realistic, but when he's on, he's 100% great. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, What do you think about the, the editorial direction, both from Quesada and DiDio on that? I mean, do you feel like they have... <laughs> A lot of people say they have too much control. Some people say mm-hmm. they don't really have any control over their writers. <laughs> to me, personally, I think they do have quite a bit of control yeah. over it. And some of the worst things that I see coming out of Marvel and DC, I feel their hand on that very strongly.
1: Definitely. I mean, obviously, one more day and <laughs> countdown, you know. But I think that at the same time, Casada has been very pro- like proactive about getting like non-straight white males out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's uh, I believe he's Cuban. And he did like Daredevil Father with the tentarias. He's done uh, Aranya, which you know I kind of like. Love the art. And there's just been tons of new characters who where they'll throw something at the wall and see what sticks. If it doesn't stick, they keep throwing, mm-hmm. which I like a lot. DC's kind of played a little bit more safe. They've got uh, Blue Beetle and The Question, mm-hmm. and both two great characters. You know, I love them. I'm not trying to denigrate them or anything, but they could play a little bit more fast and loose. I think try new things
0: yeah. what do you think about Young Avengers
1: I like it the new uh, Young Avengers Presents those have been really good so yeah. far like Brubaker like finally having Patriot and uh, Bucky Meat was a really nice mm-hmm, moment
2: It's
0: mm-hmm.
1: basically the two people on Earth who look up to Captain Most yeah. it's kind of a nice uh, eulogy yeah. for Captain America yeah.
0: Yeah. cool that's great well what about um, outside of, of Marvel and DC are you seeing any other either publishing houses or artists in particular who do you think are doing a better job of this
1: better job it's tough it's been a while since I read an indie comic. Actually, um, I just picked up Anthony Johnston's Julius, which is about it's Julius Caesar done through like British crime and the oh, leader really? Julius is a black guy in the mob. Oh,
0: really? Oh, and that's awesome.
1: And it's really cool. I, I'm great. really enjoying that. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I keep okay. thinking of old hey, characters, hey, yeah, yeah. you
2: know.
1: But there's a lot. I mean, Bayou, uh Zuda Comics is still kind of big too, kind of independent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all I yeah. right now
0: there are it, Love and Rockets is one of my favorite comics and that um, is mostly not white people which I really like and there are a number of black characters in there who I think are really interesting and mm-hmm. um, to me <laughs> their their blackness is not the first thing about them that yeah. you notice they're, that's just who they happen to be and because a lot of that takes place in a, a very mixed race sort of setting like in Barrios in Los Angeles mm-hmm. it's not even remarkable Like, and sometimes the way they're drawn you're not really sure which uh-huh. I think is really interesting <laughs> Do You get to be judge. Sure, you
1: get to bring yourself sometimes. to the book and decide yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So I wish there was more of that. I, I agree. You know, and, and I think it's, um, you know, there's a difference between colorblindness, like pretending that uh-huh. nobody is different, and just sort of accepting that there is differences, but that doesn't have to be the thing about them that you notice the most. No,
1: I totally agree. Like, I always liked that Steele was never, like, the black guy. You know, he's basically Iron Man, you yeah. know, in the DC universe. He's a self-made man. He's super smart. He builds all these art suits of armor. Thing is, that he's got a giant hammer and he's fighting crime,
2: as opposed to he's got a giant hammer and he's fighting
1: the clan. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they well, they've done a couple of those stories, but it was never the focus of the character. It's just like, Look, he's super smart, he's Superman's gadget man, he's awesome, you know, check him out. I love that. Um,
0: what about New Frontier?
1: I love New Frontier. <laughs> Actually, I got the chance to spend some time with Darwin Cook on really? Thursday. Oh, cool. There was a signing of the isotope, kind of a secret uh-huh. signing. And he's told all these stories about the book, and it's just wonderful. Like the John Henry part of The Frontier. Well, that's what I wanted
0: to ask you about. That's one
1: of his favorite parts of the book, which is awesome.
0: Um, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I saw the movie because it's on the Torrance. Um. But uh, I, I was a little disappointed that the John Henry story got so short shrift yeah. in the movie. I mean, they basically cut it down to, like, two scenes.
1: And just like the news report. Right,
0: yeah, which and it kind of undercut one of the really interesting points was, you know, the parallels between um, the civil rights struggle and what was yeah. happening to the Martian Manhunter and how he really connected with that as an outsider in society. Definitely. And that, you know, this natural sort of um, prejudice against anything that was, was different. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was really typified by what was happening in, in America at that and time.
1: And also with the Red Scare earlier in the book but yes. they were shutting down the superheroes yeah
0: exactly I wish that he had I mean not to criticize yeah. them, but I wish that he had been able to tie the John Henry stuff in a little bit better in the storyline because it very mm-hmm. much felt isolated from that Like, you know, it's like a thematic example. tie it is it's yeah. very much but I, I really wanted the, him to interact with other characters yeah. and not just be all by himself
1: no I agree there was a, actually he said that for the New Frontier special coming out next week there's a fake comics cover that he did up oh, called really? The Legend of John Henry <gasps> cool. which has been like an ongoing series you know oh, back in the day which sounded really great. cool and I read it that's how much I like the guy yeah. and like it's 12 pages in the book I believe maybe 14 mm-hmm. and I'm happy with that but I'd love to see more like, yeah. like you say I'd love to see him tying in and actually meeting some of the other guys yeah. oh that would be
0: great oh well good I'm glad you told me about that i yeah. see that yeah <laughs> Now, one other thing you've been doing recently is blogging for Black History Month. And Uh and I jokingly said to you in the email, like, how the hell do you write all this? Because (laughs) your blog posts are, like, thousands of words long. And they're really well-written and well-thought-out and everything. It's just amazing that you've been able to do it. And I don't think I've seen anybody else doing this.
1: Not this month. Yeah, you seem to be the only one right now. It was February 1st. I was like, oh, it's Black History Month. And normally I'm not a huge Black History Month guy. I'm more, like, throughout the year. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of corny to say, but... It should be every month.
2: Well, yeah. but <laughs> Every I, day. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was late on February 1st, and I was like, man, I should do something for Black History Month for the blog, because I had been blogging as much. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down, I wrote my first post, and I said, I hope I can do this for the next 29 days. Yeah. And so far, you know, it's been a few late nights, but I've kept up with it.
0: Well, it's amazing. And what kind of reaction have you gotten from people? Uh,
1: very positive. I mean, I've gotten a couple of emails, plenty of comments. That's one thing I love, is seeing, like, comments on the blog, because mm-hmm. people are reading and immediately responding with, you know, a first thought on their mind. Mm-hmm. And it's just been... It makes you feel really good to see people going, like, hey, this is awesome, you know, like, keep doing this.
0: Are, are you going to become um, the black guy who writes about comics?
1: Man, if I have to be, I will. If I have to be the token guy, If I am down with that, I can do it forever.
0: Well, you seem to be sort of the, um, the most visible guy right now. On the other side, Cheryl Lynn yeah. is, is very much the most visible black woman who's writing, and she's wonderful. Yeah, I love Cheryl she's Lynn. She's great, very <laughs> insightful, so that'd be all right. If you two were, like, the representative, yeah. that would be extremely cool. Um,
1: Superman and Wonderland Black Panther and Storm <laughs> that would
0: be awesome that would be
1: great no actually I've been sending her some uh, drafts of posts the ones I wasn't oh, yeah? sure about they're like is this going to get me in trouble if I post this and she's been really supportive so. oh, that's
0: awesome it's so good to see you guys um, and one of the things that I hope we can talk about a little both on the podcasting panel later but I think yeah. in the comics fandom in general is how important it is for people to get their opinions out and even Definitely. you know, five years ago all of the talk and opinions that have been generated by people online it just wasn't there
1: no, totally. Like blogging has been great for that sort of thing. Okay. And actually, I started blogging because of uh, JLA Classified Number One, okay. the lead into the Seven soldiers story. I liked Ooh. it so much. There's so much in there that I had to tell somebody. So I got a live journal. It was called Guerrilla Grad, is in like guerrilla warfare, <laughs> <laughs> kind of corny. And it's been like all downhill or uphill ever since, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Oh, it's
0: it's been great. You yeah. So, much. so where are you going to take
1: this? What are you going to do? Uh. Who knows? Just onwards and upwards. Yeah. Actually, this might be uh, exclusive news for you, but I'm the new comics editor at Pop Culture Shop. Really? Yeah. Hey, that's
0: awesome.
2: So we
1: get to kind of build site. it up from the ground I love that up. Scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I go there all the time. So
1: I'm going to try to kind of keep the same flavor but bring some more to it. Just more commentary, more of everything. Mm-hmm. Make it into a site that, like, I already like it, I want to like it more.
0: Yeah. And, and are hopefully you gonna,
1: people will agree. You're
0: going to continue to blog at Fourth Letter as well? Definitely. Well, so it's like a full time job for right you. Yeah. But you have a job there Exactly. You?
1: <laughs> like, I can <laughs> sleep in the. Two thousand ten. I think uh, I've got some time that's scheduled. That's,
0: awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, do you do you feel that anything that you've written personally has had an effect on the publishers and the writers, aside from just the fans. Where clearly there's been an effect. But have yeah. you gotten any kind of feedback? Like uh, someone's read something you
1: wrote There or, have been a couple writers, uh, like yeah. Matt Johnston, who did the uh, Hellblazer Pop and Midnight miniseries, mm-hmm. left me a comment and just said, Thanks you f- thanks for getting it. And I was that was a very happy that's day great. for me.
0: That's
2: great.
1: Like the publishers at large I hope they're reading but if not you know I'm, the fans are the next writers and artists so yeah. I, if I can reach them that's good enough for me yeah.
0: I, I think they, they are listening a little bit anyway yeah. um, the, the whole recent thing about um, Stephanie Brown's costume yeah. in the case I think that really came from fandom. Definitely I don't think I they do would have ever done that if there hadn't been the ongoing girl wonder stuff
1: I agree and it's funny they'll tease and kind of poke and prod like Dan DiDio does it constantly but he's apparently he's a spoiler fan mm-hmm. and when he got in he was like look can we bring her back So that's cool.
0: That's great. Is there a, a, I don't want to say a cause, but is there a thing that you would just like to see change? Like if you had to pick one thing that you personally could get them to change, what would it be?
1: Content-wise or publishing-wise? Both. I want to see more original graphic novels. Just like out of Marvel NBC, just like 128 pages, 160 pages of just complete stories. Mm -hmm. So you can just pick it up, timeless, read it, and you're done. Other than that, kind of getting burnt out on crossovers. And I say that, (laughs) but I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion. Like Brian Bendis, just more indie talent, I think, mm-hmm. content-wise. Bringing more people from small press, that sort of thing, and get like different angles on uh, your books. Yeah,
0: I think everybody would like that. Yeah. Well, most people would like that. <laughs> and
1: the ones who don't won't read it, so we get the yeah, good books. Yeah, right. that's <laughs>
0: that's great well that's about all I wanted to chat with you is there anything we haven't said that you wanted to kind of get
1: in there I think we got pretty much everything anything you want to
0: plug this is always a good place to plug
1: stuff uh, always net. <laughs> Cheryl Lynn at digitalfilm.com yes
0: Wait, she, she and you are often linked from when fangirls yeah. talk yeah so. also
1: Ragnell and Colinara yeah. I've spoken with them quite a bit yeah and they're great we get along very well it's really, really nice great, yeah. um, writersoldfashioned.com it's mm-hmm. a writing collective I'm a part of here in San Francisco right and uh you,
0: and Matt's lady who's, yeah yeah Kirsten
1: Baldock, uh, Jason McNamara, a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. And my first mini comics hopefully coming out the next month or so. Hey, that's great.
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. I think everybody who blogs or talks about comics secretly wants to write them. Yeah, that's. I I am. Yeah, (laughs) it's more like one day. Yeah, I'll get around to that. I
1: think Mark Wade once said this is the only industry where 90% of the people want your job. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's true. I
2: think so too.
1: Also, uh, Pedro Tejeda at Funny Lit Babylon. He's been a really great... Like, we talk constantly, just throwing ideas back and forth and just, like, pitching blog ideas. So that's a really great site. I
0: think there needs to be, like, a blogger-podcaster convention at some point that oh, I agree. us talking about our stuff. Yeah. And when we're not distracted by,
1: like, you know, 200,000 people trades all the famous are on sale. people. Yeah, yeah. It's just,
0: like, I think it would be really good for us to... To get together and just talk about our business. Because I agree. we do that online a lot, but it's really hard when you're leaving comments and you're having yeah. emails and not everybody is included in it.
1: Actually, at New York Con, there's going to be kind of an impromptu. I know most of Fourth Letter is going to be there. Yeah. Me and Gavin, all of Funny Book Babylons they're all based in New York. Yeah, and there's a big I fanboy going to be yeah, there. Yeah, a
0: whole yeah. I wish I could go to that. I wish it wasn't in New York.
1: It's going to be pretty huge, I'm hoping. Yeah, well, so. that's
0: great. Well, maybe that's a, a good start on that. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, cool. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat.
1: No, thank you for inviting me. Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: Later in the day, I got to chat with Matt Sillity, who does the Homeless Channel comic and who has some other cool stuff on the horizon. Matt also graciously agreed to moderate the podcasting panel, and he did a great job. So hopefully when I get the audio posted, you'll hear him asking some interesting questions there and keeping us all in line because, you know, us wild and crazy podcasters. But here he'll talk about what he's doing currently and a new blog project that he has going on, and David Brothers also happens to be part of that. So, you see, it all kind of comes together.
3: Okay, tell your story. Oh, i <laughs> back to meet you to, to do our little uh, recording here. And um, as I was walking down the aisle, I had a flashback to maybe my first convention years and years ago in Chicago. And I had, was meeting some of my idols, and some of them were kind of curmudgeon and, and not so nice to be around. And I, was, I remember being kind of disappointed by that. But there was a creator who I'd never heard of before, and I went up to his table and his art was blowing me away, and it was David Mack, of course, who does Kabuki. And um, he greeted me with the biggest smile, he treated me like I was as important as anybody else in that huge room. And I walked away with one of his books and became one of a lifelong fan of his. And I remember when I did my first convention two or three years ago, it really stuck in my head. I said, that's how I want to do it. That's how every single person comes up. And I want it to be genuine, because that's the other thing when you talk to David. You know he's excited he's excited to be there so I I, I wish more pros would emulate that and I, I hope I don't know I hope I can help that trend going <laughs> That's
0: great. Well, thanks for telling us that little oh, story. Oh, no problem. We're standing here on the floor at Comic-Con and I'm talking with uh, Matt Zillity who mm-hmm. was kind enough to moderate our podcasting panel this Oh, I had around. a good time. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it was, and it was great. And there were more people than last year, so thanks for doing that and for having oh. some interesting questions for us.
3: No problem. Um,
0: so I've talked about your book on the show lots of times. Yes. Because uh, I love it and it's great. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that came up in, in the panel was just this discussion of how to turn what you love into a career. And you've really managed to do that. Now, whether you. <laughs> Call it a career or not, you know. Right. Is the other thing. Oh,
3: I think at this point, it, it like the corner turned recently. Yeah, I really. Yeah, we'll yeah talk about what, that. Well, I mean, if you're if you're creating independent comics, realistically, that's not going to pay the rent. So you, you're going to make money, and that's going to be you know rewarding in its own way. And you're slowly building a, a readership, and hopefully, maybe you get work for higher gigs and so forth that that could cover the rest of the expenses. But I, I tried to find other ways uh, to bring in income that had to do with the comic industry. So um, I was offered a job retailing on Wednesdays, yes. and, and that's actually been really rewarding in its own way, uh, getting to talk with people who love uh, buying comics once a week, so that's great. And then my, the, my favorite new thing is that I'm teaching a course on graphic novels at the California College of the Arts. And we meet every Friday from 12 to 3, and the students are creating comics, and we're workshopping them, and and it was a nice coincidence that this Friday, of course, we would have had class. Instead, we had field trip at WonderCon. Oh, that's so
0: awesome. WonderCon
3: was really generous. Yeah, they they comped the whole class. Oh, my God. Um, So we all met at the usual time, and I passed out uh, the passes, and their only assignment was to walk all of Artist Alley. Wow. And stop in each aisle and at least pick up two things and talk to two artists Mm -hmm. in every aisle. And uh, when we met at 3 o'clock at the end of class, yeah. out in the lobby, they had bags and bags of stuff, and they just were so excited. And I said, okay, well, it's a beautiful day out. The rest of the day is yours. Go ahead and do whatever it is you wow. want to do. And, of course, they all we're turned around in- and went right back down. <laughs>
0: Best field trip ever. Yeah, it
3: was great. It, oh, it was that's really amazing. inspiring. Wow, yeah. just to,
0: like, literally take it to the streets. Like, stop being in the classroom, go and do and
3: see. Oh, it, it's been great. And, you know, the whole San Francisco area has been really supportive of this class. Image Comics supplied uh, the class with copies of the anthology Pop Gun, so we've been going to that and talking about about that book. Um, I've just been really, I don't know, it brings a smile to my face how, how much everybody's been been supportive of the class.
0: That's great. How wonderful. Yeah. So you're doing that, and now you have a new blog, too. You're participating in a group blog.
3: I am. Um, well, it, part of the reason why I work at, at the Isotope uh, Comic Book Lounge on Wednesdays is because of that interaction. I mean, I know you like taking your trip to uh, Comic Relief once a week and being around people. And so to, to fight the isolation of making comics, I do that and, I, and the teaching, but I also once a month, sometimes twice a month, meet with a group of San Francisco writers and creators and, you know, we have a few drinks and, and we, we swap stories about the industry, but we also swap scripts and ideas and we give each other feedback. And so if you go to writersoldfashioned.com, you can see what we're all working on and links to each of the individual creators.
0: So do you feel like that's really um helping you creatively is it spurring ideas or, or just helping you be more critical of your own work
3: um there's some of that it, i i say probably more than anything it, it keeps me on task mm. because i you know i go there and while we're not answering to each other like we're editors or so forth there's sort of a unspoken peer pressure that you know we're coming back and everybody's like what did you do because yeah. we're excited for each other yeah. and you want to sit there and be i did nothing <laughs> so it definitely keeps you cranking out the pages and working yeah, on that that's system. great you
0: know that's Tolkien got through a lot of Lord of the Rings really yeah he had a, a group that he had been um, at Oxford with I believe they were called the Inklings mm-hmm. and C.S. Lewis was part of that group and they wow. would meet in the pub once a week and read out whatever they were working on so he, he said that that helped him to just go with it and hear these other fabulous writers you know saying that was good or that was bad or whatever how funny
3: yeah, yeah well it, you know any sort of, I think any sort of artistic endeavor is often a very isolated experience. And there's something good about that. I mean, to, to get into a quiet place where you can listen to yourself and, and find your stories within you and so forth. But at the same time, you know, it, it's nice to be around people. Yeah, like,
0: so, Homeless Channel is now in a wonderful trade paperback. Yes. How yeah. has that been doing for you?
3: It's been doing really well. It's been very exciting. Um, you got
0: a lot of press. We but...
3: did get it. it it's a little book that could. Um, yeah. It did this. <laughs> Uh, it's sort of there came a point where it was um, basically propagating itself in terms of getting attention. I, I wasn't sending out emails anymore, and suddenly I was having people send me emails. Yeah. Like, hey, look, it's an Entertainment Weekly, or hey, yeah, look, it's yeah, in the yeah. New York Times. And those have all been really, really positive. I think the turning point for that was we got a review on Boing Boing. Yes. And that was really uh, a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, we, You can track your Amazon orders, and while Amazon calculates their their sales in an interesting way but hourly, um, Of all the spikes in sales, the highest came from Boing Boing. In terms of Amazon, we were talking about earlier in the podcast panel, you were talking about how wonderful it would be if you you recorded your podcast and then the things you talk about could be searchable and linkable. And if you read Entertainment Weekly Review and you say, oh, got an A-, that's awesome. You have to put down that magazine, go to your computer, go to your local comic shop and go pick it up. But when it was on Boing Boing, there was a link... And everybody bought it.
0: Exactly. Well, I I think that's all of us in podcasting try to do that with our show notes. And I always try to do that. Like, here's the link to buy it. Just Mm -hmm. click, and you can have it, and not have to go searching for it. Yeah, and,
3: and, you know, it's it's always a tricky situation because I, I, I so badly want to support my local comic shop more than anything, but I believe honestly that that if one person took the time to buy that comic they're going to and, and they enjoyed it online they're going to talk to their friends about it and those friends are going to go to comic shops so they're going to look at it, find it at their local independent bookstore so you know sales i think propagate more sales so hopefully there's a balance between online sales and the retail sales
0: yep. So what is next? What's
3: the next big project? I'm, I'm hip-deep in my next uh, graphic novel. It, you know, because I'm not doing it uh, in pieces, uh, putting out an individual parts, it, it's kind of difficult sometimes because I feel like I'm disappearing, you know, in some ways. But... Um, Hopefully soon enough I'll have the whole whole graphic novel finished. It's a mystery set in the high-end art world. Ooh,
2: um, that sounds good.
3: It, it's a, it, the main character is a, a freelance writer doing a piece for Vanity Fair on the people who buy $25 million or more paintings. And he sort of gets involved in their lives maybe a little too much. Gets it a little over his head. And so, um, you know, Homeless Lunch Channel was pretty... You know, in some ways, uh, political with the social issues. I, I I, think this does the same thing, but at a totally different end of the spectrum in terms of uh, the socioeconomic picture. So, it,
0: Is the art style pretty much the same? Are you switching gears on this?
3: I, I've got a, a little sample in my back pocket I can show you. Let's see. Um see. So okay. basically, one thing I was really scared of, uh, since Homeless Channel was my first art, and... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. making crinkling well, noises. That's okay.
0: That's how people know you're actually pulling oh. <laughs> something
3: out of your
0: pocket, and we're not just making this up for the show. And I was like, Oh yes, and that's just pulled something out of his pocket. Look how pretty okay. it is.
3: Ooh. Well, with the homeless channel, I was really scared. Uh, since this is my first art I ever did of, of grayscales. So yeah. um, I'm starting with line art, and then I'm adding oh, grayscales that. that are going to hopefully give it a real uh, yeah. three dimensional effect and so that forth. Is so, beautiful. so this is sort of the first, the opening scene takes place in uh, San Francisco MOMA.
0: Yeah, I could recognize right. that. Yes. yes. So just um, show that flying fan. Right. People in the, head.
3: The, the installation yeah. piece. Yeah. I was
0: trying to. We, I was there. Um, I went with my friend who does the um, kitty, who does the truck podcast, mm-hmm. with us because there's an installation there right now that has a thing with Shatner in it, mm-hmm. where he's kissing a woman, and it's the video that's very, very much slowed down. It's by that um, Scottish artist mm-hmm. that I, who has the very Scottish name. It's it's Gordon. Okay. Yeah, James <laughs> Gordon, I think. And so when we walked in, I'd been there for a while, and we're like looking at the fan, and I was like what does this fan say to me? Is this supposed to be like a a Foucault's pendulum kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or is it just like a piece of Dada art or something? Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure I get it, and I was really afraid it was going to hit me in the head.
3: Well, the fact that you were even thinking that alone (laughs) probably makes the artist happy. In fact, he he, he do some sort of uh, intellectual response, I suppose, or emotional response, fear. Maybe that was the point. Maybe he was trying to invoke fear in all of the... uh,
0: then he succeeded, because that's exactly how I felt. I was just
3: looking
0: at that thing, buzzing around over my head. It must be creepy at night, or do they shut it off?
3: Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I do know that... that. I <laughs> know these things, I, I, well, no. well, well, actually, I tried really hard to work with MoMA to, to do photo shoots there, uh-huh. um, and tried to go through all the proper channels and say, I'll pay, I'll do whatever it takes yeah. to do this, because I really wasn't interested yeah. in the art on the walls, because I'm going to be replacing it. Yeah, yeah. It was these architectural structures yeah. and so forth. And and I couldn't get a phone call back. I couldn't get an email oh. back. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I created a little Mission Impossible setup where I had a camera, like with a little, uh, you know, section of my jacket that I could open up. And, wow. I, and it, I actually had the Mission Impossible music, in my head, the whole the whole photo shoot. That's <laughs> great.
0: That's you have to put that like in the introduction to the book or something. Yeah, we'll
3: see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great story. Well,
0: it looks beautiful. That little sample that you Thank showed you. me. I mean, and it's, if you've been there, you know it. Like you look at yeah. it, and go, Oh, that's up yeah. definitely definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's very so,
3: cool. I'm excited.
0: And when is that supposed to be out? Supposed to be. Oh,
3: <laughs> well, I honestly, um, I'm doing the backgrounds for it, and with the first book, I use friends and family as all the actors, yes. and I've run out of friends and family, <laughs> so, so it's taking a little time uh, casting and so forth. So I, I hope to have definitely the prologue. I'm going to have uh, people can look at it at Stubtown in Portland. Um, and then hopefully the rest I'll have done by the end of the year. Wow, that's well, great. Yeah. So
0: for Christmas, you think it'll be after Christmas? Oh, gosh. I don't want to make any promises <laughs> now. All right.
3: All right. We, would, let's, we would like it to be I'm out getting for married in September. So, so there's a, there's a lot wonderful. of other things going on as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, that's
0: probably more important, I would say, <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: in the big screen. That's cool. Well, thank you so much oh, for thank chatting with me. It's great, it great to see you again. You're doing. Yeah, this was really fun. And uh, as always, I just love WonderCon. I really prefer it to Comic Con now. It, it's
3: just You get surreal. a lot of the same stuff, but you get a, a nice atmosphere, and it's a little bit more relaxed because it's it doesn't have that insanity. Although, when I go to uh, San Diego this year, I'm bringing my camera. I, I really want to do a comic, a, a mini-comic about the uh, pedicab drivers. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, it's ripe for, for I, material. I, agree. So. I totally agree. But, yeah, it's a great mix.
0: Just looking around right now, one of the things I love about... Um, WonderCon too is that I see almost as many women as men just standing here where we are in the back of the hall looking around. Absolutely. And it's so diverse. I mean, it's not just like white guys.
3: It, well, that's one of the most exciting things about my class is there are actually more um, female students than male students in my class. So it, when they came around, the first thing we did when we walked in the doors, we ran into a sequential chart writer. Oh, really? And I introduced her oh, to wow, all the students. Awesome. Yeah, so it was really good.
0: That is great. Oh, it's a good reason. And, and I think... Um, your type of art, what you're trying to do, is so appropriate for a place like this. Mm-hmm. Because San Francisco, I think, has always been so supportive of the outsider art, like not doing it within the context of a larger company. Oh, absolutely. Just doing it because you want to do it.
3: You got it. Yeah. That's Good. Terrific. Nice it. talking it's to you. Okay.
2: why Mm -hmm. you had to hide